0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Mondays Down South. Uh, Ev, I was kind of holding out on you here, but I was... Yo! Yes! diversity today, man. Went on a walk and just you had the sweatshirt on. So, anyway, we do introductions usually. There's no need to introduce. There's nobody new on here. I want to jump right into it. We got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Hot takes. Every time, hot takes first. Let's do it. Zeebo, teen it up, buddy. Go ahead.
1: Sounds good. First thing I wanted to mention is for all you viewers out here, Evan and I were on this podcast getting ready, doing, preparing our arguments, just kind of going back and forth about sports this week. Mr. Sakun and then he couldn't join us. This man is late to everything. I played basketball with this guy ever since I moved back for quarantine. And this man's always forgetting his basketball. He's always the one that's texting us saying, hey, look, let's meet after work, 515, no later than that. I'm like, all right, sounds good. Let's do it. Pull up onto the courts 515, 520, 530. This man's just now showing up. Now, albeit he comes to the ball every single time, but he usually forgets his ball or there is some other bojangled excuse. So, Sai, I figured I'd call you out early and bust your chops uh, I'm going to take
0: quick Buttle and agree with that fact. That is certainly a problem. <laughs> but coming from the guy that throughout high school and college would say, hey, what are we doing Friday night? And then just not show up and not text us <laughs> and let us know like two days later that he forgot about the event. It's, it actually kind of cracks me up. So I guess uh, I guess we're on the same page, buddy. It takes
1: multiple point. plans, man. You know, I, I got places to be, people to see out here. But now kicking it over to my first, hard, my, my first hot take is uh, speaking of people showing up late here, Virginia Tech needs to get it together because their players are staying up late not returning back to the dorms, not, fo- not following protocol because this is now the second game we played with 20-plus players on our roster out. Now, albeit we're 2-0 because we played cakewalks like Duke and NC State this season. But, guys, th- this is getting ridiculous. I don't think any Division I football team at the collegiate level has has experienced the amount of players that are unable to play um, you know, some players, you know, are starting running back, are starting quarterback Hendon Hooker. He's just now returning, uh, you know, in the game against UNC. Uh, UNC's ranked eight. It's, it's going to be a pretty awesome game um, at noon on Saturday. But this is now um, this is getting a little ridiculous. So hopefully our players have actually taken quarantine seriously. They've been able to get a little bit better. Now provided a couple of negative tests here. You know, hopefully we have, uh, you know, a, enough players to, to go out there. Or I should say enough starters. But, you know, having 23 players out the first game against NC State and then having 21 players out the following week is just unacceptable. Now, my, uh, now switching it over, I just wanted to mention that. My hot take is the NFL playoff picture and scenarios for next year because they're going to completely change. The NFC East, which is 3-11-1 right now, will be the reason why the NFL will come together after this season concludes and they will say, guys, we cannot guarantee a Cowboys or Philadelphia playoff appearance when they show up eight and eight, seven and nine or nine and seven. That's unacceptable to them. plenty of other teams. Now, I know they created another team, that seventh wildcard team, maybe to mitigate that but it's going to get to a point where the NFC East gets so bad that the NFL is going to be forced their hand to change, to completely revamp their playoff process. So that's my hot take.
0: My hot take is that we should not be bringing up any of our college football teams and wasting time on them because all of our teams are not worth talking about right now. <laughs> Especially the Hokies who aren't even playing wow. and are in an awful a- ACC conference with the exception of Clemson. Why are we wasting you know, baby. Two and Congratulations o. on being 2-0 and, and playing nobody, per usual. We're 0-2. We suck. Not worth talking about. I don't know anything about JMU, so maybe I'm maybe I'm uh jumping Our out.
2: football team doesn't exist right now until the spring. So oh, not much to talk go. about on that. Topic. That, that
0: yeah. is that is part of my hot take. My other one, uh, will rebuttal with Zach. Yeah, I, I agree with him. I mean, I think they need to change things up because like it's absurd, man. But you know what? At the same time, I'm not super upset about this year's uh, situation because one team from the East will make it. It's not like I'm worried about like you know their abysmal te- these other abysmal teams like coming in and taking it. It's actually hysterical to me that the uh, Washington football team at like, one and three was in position to be the division leader up until the Eagles, uh, you know, beat the backups for the 49ers on Sunday night. And like a close game, so. You know the East is just a total joke um, no offense Ev, not that I'm sure you'll be offended by it because in reality I mean come on who's who's debating that e go ahead
2: yeah I didn't I don't really have anything I was too fired about fired up about that I can think about so just a couple things I'll mention um, not to uh, force to fire up another college football one that's kind of funny the FCS obviously um, basically no one from the FCS is playing but North Dakota State um, scheduled one game this year which Not transparent at all was a showcase for Trey Lance, who projects as maybe a top five or so pick, um, which happened last weekend. And it did not go so hot. He closed the game hot, but I think he started the game like one for seven. And the year before, he went the entire season without throwing an interception, um, including all the way through a championship run um, against our Dukes, unfortunately. And he throws an interception in that game. So he did close the game really strong, but uh, kind of a... Whoops! Maybe we shouldn't have set this game up after all because it didn't uh, go so well. Not that I think it changes a whole lot for his draft stock, but it was just kind of funny.
0: For any viewers and listeners that have sat through a segment about Virginia Tech, South Carolina, and the FCS, we thank you for bearing with us as we. I get- think
2: that's an interesting point. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> no, uh,
0: no, that's that is an interesting point. I'm really curious to see like what his like impact on the NFL will be, just because we. You know, Carson Wentz obviously coming up with when, when he did and, like, having that MVP caliber impact, like, up front and then, you know, now seeing the regression a little bit with all the injuries and stuff. It's not the first guy. And I believe there's another quarterback in the NFL who's a backup right now that's from North Dakota State as well, right? He's been stick. There it is. So there's a, there's a total uh, quarterback machine there. So that's definitely something to keep keep track yeah. of.
2: I will say, as my – being an FCS expert, I – in the little I've watched Trey Lance, I still haven't been impressed with his arm. Like, yeah. Obviously, the stats are pumped up, but I like even in the game against uh, Jamie, I wasn't impressed with his throwing. But the only other thing I wanted to mention is that the Marlins this is a very nuanced take, but back to a little baseball. The Marlins need to stop hitting Ronald Acuna. And this is just because I was watching the game today, and I don't think they hit him on purpose necessarily, but he <laughs> hits a leadoff home run, bat flips, walks down the first base. So, two innings later, three innings later, um, he gets drilled with a fastball like right in his legs or something. So, Maybe it was intentional, maybe it was not, maybe they're just trying to pitch inside. But then he just goes on a rampage. He's screaming the entire game, completely fired up. Was on base the whole rest of the game. They come back to win like nine to five or something. So they need to stop throwing at him because it's really starting to piss him off. And I don't think that's good for the Marlins. But uh, yeah, I just sneak in some baseball.
0: But I want to give the Marlins crap, but uh, they made the playoffs and my Mets didn't, so I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> I'm just gonna shut. <laughs>
1: It's not the best year for your teams, man. Yeah,
0: no, I can't can't be can't be bringing that up. Um, <laughs> but you know what? You kind of teed me up pretty well there, because we'll talk about the NFL later as far as teams go. But I actually think we should touch NBA first because in 40 minutes we're gonna we're gonna start another finals game here. And you know, I think a lot of people expected to be 3-0 coming into this tonight, and the fact that it isn't gives us some more excitement when it comes to talking about that subject. Jimmy Butler give give that man all that credit and then some. I had somebody message me the other day and say after that game that with the, I think it was 42, 13 and 10 or something of that nature, some stat line like that, that that was arguably the greatest finals performance we've seen in the last two decades maybe. And it could definitely be argued with the exception of maybe like a few Braun performances here and there. I can't really think of many others that would, uh, that would eclipse that, especially given the fact they had Bam and Dragic and all those guys out and managed to beat the Lakers. Uh, I didn't I very rarely seen LeBron that pissed when he's been up in a series uh, and I don't blame him like I would have I saw my cousin I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that uh, locker room after that game with the amount of terrible terrible play that some of those role players and just some of the the lack of defensive effort. What do you guys think? What do you think this means for the series? Do you you know, do, do you get excited a little bit more about the heat's potential? What do you think? I'm curious. Yeah,
1: no, I, I agree with everything you said, Cy. And in, just in terms of uh, the best finals performances, um, I mean, obviously LeBron in the Golden State Series, uh, preferably against, you know, the, the the three-headed conglomerate of, um, of KD, of Steph, and of Clay and then you also had Draymond, right? So, you know, going up against that team, LeBron had very impressive performances, 50-plus points. Now, I think the difference maker was is he wasn't able to close those games with a win. Um, you know, when LeBron had those amazing performances in Cleveland, those first couple games in the finals against Golden State, they were still losing those games, but LeBron was at least keeping them in the game. Um, I think the big difference maker here is – Jimmy Butler, you know, actually won this game for his team. And it just goes to show you that when the Heat play incredible basketball, it's, a, it's, it's guaranteed a close game. When the Lakers play incredible basketball, it's not even close. I mean, it's talking we're talking a 25-point 20, performance, right? And so it goes to show you that Jimmy Butler is going to have to continue to play at this elevated level. If they want to have a chance now, don't get me wrong. It's it's a very exciting series right now, and Game Four is very interesting because you know the Lakers are going to bounce back. You know Frank Vogel, and Size mentioned Frank Vogel's uh, amazing you know coaching ability displayed in the playoffs on this podcast before. You a hundred percent know that he is going to draw something up to try to shut Jimmy Butler down and have some of those outside shooters shoot and bank on them missing. So we'll see what they cook up. But you also have Bam Adebayo coming back tonight. Game four is going to be really interesting. But the only thing I got to say on this performance is, LeBron, you're in trouble. We'll see what happens tonight.
2: (laughs) I love that. I did pick the Heat in six. Continue, Evan. Well, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. And I'm also going to question you a little bit because, so, I, I mean, I don't think you said it explicitly, but you're basically saying that you think there's a huge gap between these two things, these two teams, based on... I do. But I'm not whereas, yeah, less than a week ago, you had picked them to beat the Lakers. In six. In six, I digress. Um, I am going to disagree with you, obviously, on that. Um, I kind of blanked on the other way I was disagreeing with you. But anyway, I mean, obviously, without Bam and Dragic, like, that evens them up a little bit if they can get Bam back, especially. Um, and I, I just think this game four, man, like, this is huge game for the Lakers. Like, I think if they lose this, it completely flips this. Obviously, it flips the series on its, on its head and evens them up. And, like, if they lose tonight, I might say the Heat win in seven. Like, I just think this is a huge game coming out so flat. Like, huge game for Anthony Davis. Like, people always pick on, like, give LeBron a hard time about his legacy. I think that's a little unfair. But, like, for Anthony Davis, like, if they don't win this series, that's a huge, huge problem for Anthony Davis's legacy to date. And I it puts a small chink in LeBron's as well just because, like, to go up one I to completely dominate. And I think the first game it was, like, I don't know. I counted up to being kind of a fluke that it was such a blowout. But, like, and then with the injuries and even with Bam coming back, like, I'm sure he's not 100%. Like, If the Lakers don't win this series, like, man. And if they lose tonight, the way Jimmy's playing, he keeps it up. I don't know, man.
0: Yeah, so a couple things. Uh, First and foremost, you brought up Ron earlier, and it's relevant only because he's in this series, which goes to show how much of a, like, monster he's been his whole career. But you talked about them not closing out, like him not closing out those games where he's had those performances. Game six of the 2016 finals was one of the greatest finals performances of all time. LeBron absolutely dominated. Game one of 20, I believe it was 18, was 2018, where he played KD, Steph, Draymond, and Clay essentially by himself with a bunch of old dudes and put up, played 48 minutes, played every single minute of the game, put up 58 and eight in that game. And were in position to win if they grabbed a rebound and put the ball back in and Jr. Smith grabbed the rebound and ran backwards. So I am not about to put that on LeBron James. I'm about to put that on Jr. Smith. That would be argued as the greatest single game performance in the history of the NBA Finals if LeBron had won that game with what he did and the fact that he literally played every single minute. So the reason I tee that up is I actually disagree with you, Ev, in that if they lost this Finals, this wouldn't be a minor... Like knock on LeBron's legacy. It would be a major knock on LeBron's legacy, regardless of the fact that he's 35 years old. He has been the best player in the NBA this season and in these in these playoffs. If you look at the entire picture, I, I really don't know how you could argue against that. Just because when he's when he's wanted to, he's dominated. And him being so angry at the end of last game is because he knows that's the case. He knows that he's the, he's the greatest player in the playoffs. He knows he's the best player in the NBA. And he knows that they had no business losing that game. Even if Jimmy had done exactly what he did last game, the Lakers still should have been able to win by 10 plus points just based on the fact that they missed like, like an absurd amount of shots. Like KD took nine shots the entire game. Like I understand he was, in, 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 he was incredibly efficient. He's always efficient. That's just the kind of player that he is given his size and his guard skills. But how do you take nine shots in the entire game, AD? I mean, you are easily the best big man in the NBA in terms of your ability to score. You need to take more than nine shots. Jimmy Butler could put up 40 again, and the Lakers could still win by 20 or 30 points. That's what they're capable of doing. But just overall as a team, like the role players didn't step up. Braun was good. Obviously, he can be better. I'm really curious to see it tonight. I'm wondering if he's going to go out there tonight and be like, all right, now everyone's talking up Jimmy Butler. Like, let me go show the world again who the best player in the NBA is. So I'm really curious to see what happens. Uh, I, I do love how much how excited you guys are about the Heat, though. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see you guys excited. It brings more excitement to the series because oh, yeah. I don't know about you. A lot of people, a lot of people felt like they didn't even enjoy game three. Like, I feel like a lot of people weren't even paying attention. And then, like, I had messages being like, wait, the Heat won? Question mark. You know, like, I had a lot of those. So I'm excited people are back into it. Um, Anyway, it's tees up in 30 minutes, so we'll uh, we'll get rolling to, to the NFL so we can watch that game after and uh, come back with some analysis next week about it. So with that being said, what matchups do you guys want to focus on? I could throw one out there because I, I did have a minor hot take. I think he is slowly proving, and this might be really bold given the fact that the MVP of last year was in this draft class, but I do think there's some weight to the matter that Josh Allen could be turning into the best – quarterback of that draft class, the draft class that featured Lamar Jackson. Just, you know, putting putting that out there as a feeler. The Bills are now four and This man is straight balling. We talked about Russell Wilson. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers on this show. They deserve all the credit that they deserve. But I just think the Bills are that team. Like, and I got to give credit where credit's due. Zach's had Zach's been on that on that wagon. He said the Bills are going to win this division. And so far you you've, nothing they've done has made me believe that they can't and nothing they've done makes me made me believe that they can't be legitimate. Contenders in the AFC and for the Super Bowl. They play the Chiefs in two weeks. Uh, just winning every damn week, no matter who they're playing. Admittedly, last week that PI was a little bit absurd, but whatever. They still won the game. So, what do you guys do? You guys have any thoughts on like on the Bills right now? Like, I mean, come on, they're, they're killing it.
1: Yeah, I think the big difference is is the, the the difference that I'm seeing in the Bulls this year as opposed to last year is just more fluidity. Like their offense looks more like a well oiled machine. They're able to drive down the field on consecutive drives and score uh, for the first time this year. I'm seeing five wide. Talk about giving Josh Allen the keys. They're going five wide. Not even a running back that's that's going to be taking up a block or swinging out into the flat. Um, so I thought that, that that's impressive in itself. You know, normally as Josh Allen was getting, I guess you could say, ramped up into his role you know they weren't going to let him fail out there so they always had like a single back formation play action or they they had some type of back in the in the backfield with him but now they're giving him the keys they go five wide a couple times i like Cole Beasley in the slot i thought the acquisition of Stephon Stephon Diggs was incredible because he's a possession oriented receiver who then opens up you know, the deep threat and the deep ball for guys like John Brown. Um, I like the combination between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary hasn't, you know, he's probably not the best guy from a fantasy standpoint because he doesn't, he's not a big touchdown guy, but I mean, the guy will get the job done. He's like the true third down converter, in my opinion, and one of the most clutch players on that team. And then on the other side of the ball, you have a defense. I mean, guys, Josh Norman has had, you know, he's been really funny to make fun of, uh, the last couple of years, especially when he was in Washington. Uh, but he's playing himself back into a starting role. Um, that just, that defense looks scary. Uh, Tremaine Edmond, shout out Virginia tech is looking really, really good at Mike linebacker. I mean, he's one of the biggest linebackers in the, in the, in the league. And I mean, geez, I, I don't, if, if he tackled me, my body would disintegrate. I wouldn't even be a, a human being anymore. So I think the Bills look scary for a variety of reasons. I think just uh, McDermott trusting Josh Allen has shown this team that he is ready for the next step. And obviously they're proving it, proving it with, their, with the, you know, their 4-0 start.
2: Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I think continue to be impressed by the Bills. We knew what we're going to get from the defense. Um, they've shown up. I think, I think we mentioned this before, but I do think we completely underestimated the value of Stefan Diggs, like you mentioned, coming in this offseason, and part of that was him having a couple of down years, but it's like, what he brings, and he op- he just opens up the receiving core to, it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, a really underrated receiving core overall, and like you said, you get John Brown over the top, Cole Beasley's great in the slot, you know, a couple of decent tight ends in there. I'm not a biggest Singletary fan, and then when Zach Moss gets healthy again, that helps it out and it's a nice little one two punch but i just think when it's all said and done i think this is one of those situations where the bills have a great year when it comes down to it in the playoffs um or even later in the regular season like i think josh allen will have a couple of hiccups here and there and end up getting beat out by some of the more veteran guys obviously mahomes and those guys um and then maybe next year we see you know josh allen really start to get on their level but i mean so far and i I don't know what it says about the Raiders. I'm still not quite sure how I feel about the Raiders um, and how impressed I am with this win. But, I mean, Josh Allen's playing lights out, so we'll see see how long he can keep it up.
0: Yeah, so what I'm surprised by, and the reason I'm surprised by this is, I think you guys are higher on Stefan Diggs than I am. I, I don't think he's been, like, amazing or anything since he's gone to the Bills. Like, he's been good, which is, like, fine. But the fact of the matter is, I think he's been one of the most overhyped receivers in the NFL since his debut I don't know if it's just from us being from this area, given the fact that he's a Maryland product. I don't know if it's just the fact that he has like the build and the appearance and like the speed of what you would expect, like a top tier wide receiver to be like, I don't know if it's the fact that Minnesota refused to run the football and chuck the ball like 500 times. And he was a beneficiary of that as their number two receiver. I don't know, but I legitimately from the games that I've watched with the bills and from what I've seen Diggs is a good possession receiver, but I don't think he's like, you know, a top tier receiver, which is why I think it's what they're doing offensively is so impressive. Because I think coming into the season, we all knew the Bills were going to have a great defense. They had a great defense last year. That's what got them into the playoffs and almost got them a win in the first game of the playoffs last year. But what blows my mind is how amazing Josh Allen is playing with a somewhat bare, I would say, like just slightly above average offensive core around him. Because if you think about a lot of these other guys that are putting up big numbers, they have a better offense. I mean, look at Russell Wilson, like he's, Russell Wilson's amazing, but he's throwing the ball to Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, he's got Chris Carson as his running back, players like that. I mean, Rogers is a different story. He had Devontae Adams game one, but also Rogers is, uh, you know, a multiple time MVP, like one of the greatest of all time. So I don't know, I think what Allen is doing with what he has is still pretty darn impressive. Like I I, I just, I'm very impressed. Like I did not give him this much credit. I did not anticipate him playing this well. But this team is legitimately scary. Like, I would not be surprised if two weeks from now they gave a, the Chiefs a run for their money. Like, I wouldn't be. Um,
2: yeah. I, ready. I was just I mean, going to say, I think John Brown's actually, and Cole Beasley for that matter, I think they're both actually really underrated, like, football players. Like, in the past, especially when they've been on the Bills, like, yeah, you know, like, the fantasy numbers weren't there, so people don't gravitate to them, but, like, I think. I mean. I think both of them are. I think. Super I think they're underrated.
0: I think they're good, not great. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are losing games that have better, better weapons than the Bills do, in, in my opinion. But you know, that's that's why it's so impressive.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, keeping it in the AFC East, I wanted to give Evan's friend Marty a shout out. I know Marty's probably going to be tuning into this. Marty was the only person on our pickums to pick against his Jets, and he was right. The Broncos and the Thursday night game—they took it 37-28. I know all three of us project or predicted the Jets to finally get their first win. That certainly didn't happen. So, Marty, uh, you were a true Jets fan when you pick against your Jets when they're playing another t- a winless team. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to give him a shout out there, and maybe moving on to another game here. How about the Cowboys-Browns game? I mean, that was a shootout. What were your initial opinions? I don't know if you all watched that, but I know Cy and I were catching some of the 1PMers, and uh, we kept cracking up at how OBJ was just uncoverable that game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Eve. Yeah, no, I, I think the story of that one, other than obviously Nick Chubb getting hurt, which is, uh, you know, a huge bummer, but uh, is Odell just, completely losing his mind. And I mean, I think we're all kind of hoping that that's what you get. I mean, obviously not on that level, but like, I mean, if he, you know, if they can get him the ball in space and obviously, you know, the fun play with Jarvis there on the first touchdown, um, but like, man, it's, it's becoming fun to watch, which is hard to believe for the Browns, but you're actually starting to see like what they were building and like what they wanted to get out of the, you know, the roster construction how they wanted to build things. Um, to get it going where you just pound the run game, play action, you know, you got two really good receivers. It's starting to come together. I mean, I, the Cowboys are trash. I borderline think Mike McCarthy should get fired mid season. That's how bad I think he is. But granted I didn't think he should have been hired in the first place. Um, But I mean, and again, it's such a shame that Chubb is out for a bit, But, but yeah, I mean, it's starting to come together for the Browns. Isn't it funny what
0: happens when you give the most talented guy on the field the football? Like, isn't isn't that amazing? Like, you know, I, I thought years ago I've been trying to tell people Odell Beckham Jr. is still very capable of being a top three to five receiver in the NFL. He still has the talent. He still has a route running. He's still a dog. He still wants it. I understand there's some, you know, he he maybe isn't the most likable player to some guys because he can be arrogant or whatever, but he is a freaking beast. They got him involved and he balled. And that is not even surprising even a, a little bit. Like I'm not even a little bit surprised. It's literally give him the ball and he balls out. So that part's not surprising. The Browns are playing better. I I mean, I think Ev and I both picked, I don't know if it was Ev, but I think Zach and I picked the Browns last week. So I wasn't surprised to see them win, but the fashion in which they won and the fact that Dak threw for over 500 yards and they still lost that game is hilarious to me. The only win the Cowboys have this season, and I think the storyline of this is the Cowboys being extremely overrated. The only win the Cowboys have this season is a game in which the Falcons handed it to them on a silver platter. That is the only win they have all season. So... That, that in itself is is just goes to show how like bad the Cowboys defense has been. And even offensively, like they're putting up a ton of yards, but you have Ezekiel Elliott and like like I don't know if you guys watch, but they barely use like it just feels like the usage of one of the best players in the NFL at his position was so minimal. Like, I just don't understand why, like how you have great players or like the best players at their positions and you don't use them. That 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 never makes any sense. That's
2: Mike McCarthy for you, man. He always you're, did. That. You're right.
0: You're exactly right. He did the same thing to Aaron Jones. That's when the free Aaron Jones movement came out. He should have never been hired, in my opinion, to the Cowboys. But I think we're in agreement with that. Zach, go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, I, it, you know, it also brings up the question, um, are guys like Dak Prescott and, dare I say, Matt Ryan, are they truly elite? And the reason why I bring that up is because if you look at their stats, their stats are phenomenal, but it's because they're playing themselves back in the games. Dak threw the ball 60 times, Baker threw it less than 25, I'm pretty sure. And it just goes to show you how you can you can you know deviate away from guys like Zeke is, is Zeke Elliott and uh, and I mean you know Gurley's nowhere near the same level as as Zeke. Um, but you know it's you can when you go down in games by two three touchdowns, it truly changes the way you play football. And like now you're just spending time getting yard, you know last minute yardage and touchdowns. So that from a stat standpoint, you would think Matt Ryan and Dak are outplaying everybody. But when you look at the amount of wins they have, they're combining for one. They're one for seven right now this season so far. So it begs the question, are these guys, are these guys truly elite? There were a couple of plays that Matt Ryan could have made last night. He didn't make them. Calvin Ridley was wide open in the end zone on multiple occasions. And Brian Greasy, one of the announcers last night, brought up a good point and said, here's the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. Aaron Rodgers makes these throws nine or ten times out of ten. Matt Ryan completes them three or four times out of 10. And we're talking like, you know, uh, escaping from the pocket, rolling out right, and throwing a 30-yard dart into the end zone. Matt Ryan just wasn't able to make those plays last night. So I'm curious to see, you know, how you would compare those quarterbacks to some of the other elites right now in the NFL.
0: Well, I think Matt Ryan has had a few elite seasons here and there, right? Like that's why we've like he's an MVP for a reason, and he's a, he's a guy that has shown that he can he can perform on the big level. Dak Prescott, I think, just has way much like way too much hype, in my opinion. I mean, he's been given a lot of help around him, and admittedly, I'm not going to blame him all the time for the Cowboys losing, but I'm also not going to sit here and already annoy him as this elite quarterback when. I don't really know what he's proven. Like, what, what is what is he proven? What have, they, what have they done with Dak Prescott that makes me want to, like, he's been given every weapon and then some. I would hope that you would be doing well on an offense that has, like, three incredible receivers, one of the best running backs, and an incredible offensive line. Like, anybody should be performing well in that system. So, and if you're being allowed to throw the ball 60 times, of course, you know, that's going to help your stats. So, I don't know about that. But, yeah, Matt Ryan, I think, has been elite. I also don't think Matt Ryan is a problem in Atlanta, right? Like, a lot of the games that they've won, they put up points. It's not and, – and admittedly, the Julio's been hurt. Calvin Ridley's gotten hurt. Like, it's not like Matt Ryan is has been the struggle. that You know, last night he didn't play well. That That's true. But I think they can still win games with Matt Ryan. The problem is your defense. The problem is your play calling. The problem is Dan Quinn. And, yes. you know, this is a perfect time to talk about Dan Quinn because an 0-4 coach just got fired in Bill O'Brien. Mm. And – question here is when and is Dan Quinn going to be fired I don't even think we need to necessarily try to address it I think the question is is like how on earth has he as it has it not happened yet like you would think the moment that game ended like that announcement would be made like you know if the Texans were willing to move on from a guy that they allowed to be their GM and completely blow up their team this offseason which admittedly I don't think was the smartest move timing-wise. I think it makes their owner look bad. When are the Falcons going to do something about this, man? Like, it's crazy. I, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, if we lose to Carolina, I mean, he's 100% gone. But that's what I would, I've would also been saying for the last couple of losses we've had. My fear is that we beat Carolina, which is a very winnable game. In fact, I believe the spread is 2.5 Atlanta's way. And that just goes to show you, if we win, is that is that like a – you know, is that – Arthur Blank forgiving Dan Quinn and giving him another shot. That's the last thing we want. Yeah. But to the to the Texans point, what I think is super funny is um in Bill O'Brien's years, he traded Dwayne Brown, um, Jadavian Clowney and D Hop for no first round picks. And also, if we're talking about the draft, he doesn't have a pick until the third round this year because well, of the acquisition of Laramie Tunzel, That is terrible. It.
0: What coach wants to step in and step into that environment? No, that's the Kidding. funniest thing. That is such a perfect way to put it. The fact that he traded DeAndre Hopkins, Jadavian Clowney, and like several other players, never acquired a first round pick, but then traded for Laramie Tunsil and gave up a first round pick. Like that is literally, like that is the funniest thing to think about. And like, you let this guy be your GM. And did you, I don't know if you guys heard, but an hour before, the announcement came out about him being firing. Being fired. Apparently, he was in the uh, owner's office saying that he wants to take over as offensive coordinator. So maybe that is why. Maybe that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Because as if he hadn't messed up enough, he was like, "Oh yeah, like the problem is I'm not calling the plays." All right, Bob, let's uh, let's get you out of here, buddy. So um, yeah, e, do you have any takes on that before uh, before I kick it over to another AFC South team?
2: No, I. Um... I think it's interesting. The only thing I'll add about, um, and this kind of puts the fantasy lens on it, that the ESPN fantasy guys always talk about with David Johnson. It's like he needed David Johnson to work so badly because of how boneheaded those trades were. (laughs) So that's why I I suspect he wanted to be offensive coordinator so he could just give David Johnson the ball as many times as he could carry, pump up his stats and make him look good. That's hilarious. But yeah, I think Bill needed to go... Uh, I think, you're, I mean, I'll mention this in the picks, but I, one of the teams I was going to mention is like, I think the Panthers are better than we thought they were going to be. Um, uh, I don't think they're going to like make a, a deep playoff run. But with the expanded playoffs, I think that's a team to watch to get in. But um, but yes, I, I think you're going to mention the other game I wanted to mention. So I'll let you. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I, I definitely got to give a shout out to this because I, you know, I, I, I got a lot of love from my team after this weekend. But I think the whole week, the storyline was everybody was just talking about the Bears because, you know, Nick Foles has taken over as a quarterback and, I was sitting there quietly because I was like, all right, everyone keeps talking about the Bears, but nobody's talking about my Colts. And you know what? I'm fine with that because this weekend will be a chance for people to start talking about my Colts. And we went out there and just straight dominated them defensively. I mean, Nick, like, I, some part of me, all, like, I can't even blame Nick Foles because obviously I watch every, I try to watch every second of that game. And uh, just the fact, the fact of the matter is we were the number one ranked defense coming into this this Sunday. And admittedly, we didn't play the greatest teams. And we had that, like, bad loss at Jacksonville game week one that we should have won. But, This weekend we came out and our defense took care of business. Nobody was – we lost Darius Leonard halfway through the game, which is our best defensive player, and still shut Nick Foles down until garbage time. Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to my Colts defense. I also think offensively we need to be a little bit better about converting on touchdowns and, like, running the ball more with Jonathan Taylor. I was getting a little bit frustrated with that. But very happy with my Colts. On the flip side of that, the Bears – Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I I don't think it's like, I don't know what you guys think about this. My, I think a lot of people ask me after the fact, Hey, do you think, you know, the bears were wrong to go with Foles? I don't think so. I think, I think basically he was in a uh, pretty tough matchup right off the bat that he was, there was a lot of press Like there was a lot of coverage where guys just weren't getting open and he was doing his best, but the offensive line was getting blown up. I'm not out on Nick Foles yet. I still think the bears can win games with them, but at the same time, like I just think, I just think there's a little bit too much hype surrounding the Bears right now. And uh, clearly there's another team in their division that is definitively better than them at the moment. So had to had to bring that game up for sure. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts.
2: No, yeah, that was one I wanted to mention on, I guess, um, to touch on the Bears first. Um, I actually, I never understand the Foles thing. He's only been good in Philadelphia in those crazy stretches. I think it was just something about him in Philadelphia with Peterson that worked. He hasn't been good Anytime else, and don't get me wrong, Trubisky's trash. But it's like when you make that decision to go to holes, you're saying, "All right, we're done with Mitch," which is you know you probably should be. But it's like, so I mean, was it wrong? Maybe not. But it's like I don't think it helps them that much. I disagree. I don't think there was that much hype on the Bears. Um, maybe a little bit, but um, but I do think it's more a story of I think we're gonna start seeing the Colts as a you know kind of like I think. St- was, uh, maybe it was UCI last week that picked them as the team that could challenge the Chiefs. I think we're over the next couple of weeks going to start to see them as a serious like Super Bowl contender. Like just with that defense, they need to figure out some things on offense. Um, but I think it's really coming, and people are kind of s- slow to seeing it. Obviously, compared to Mr. Sai over here watching them every week, but I, I think more people are going to start to see it, and they're going to really start, um, you know, jumping up the ladder here as a as a true contender. Zach,
1: cool. Well, hey, I think I think that's actually probably the perfect time to pivot from week four recap to week five predictions. Now, Ev is our as our uh, our financial analyst slash stat, statistician. He's gonna he's been taking a, um, a cumulative uh, standing of, of our picks each week. And now I believe I did not edit out all or, or a couple of the games last week, like I did two weeks ago. I think I kept them all, so Evan was able to actually use correct data. But Evan, I'm gonna kick it over to you and and uh, get the ball rolling.
2: Yeah, thanks, Zach. Much easier when you don't edit out the games. Um, my only <laughs> challenge is that Cy loves to make these caveat picks, which honestly is fair because he got screwed on one this week, where it's like, well, if this player is play, then I'm gonna pick this team, but if he's not, then I'm not. Um, so right. that that but that, yeah. that makes it difficult <laughs> but you also got screwed because you picked the patriots and then we found out like 24 hours later that cam has covid cool. and won't we'll be playing so sure. you it got a loss it for that
0: well
2: yeah yeah they did um anyway yeah just quickly to go over the stats i also will caveat these i did some uh work with the money lines to actually kind of give us like a payout like if we placed a money line bet on each one of our picks how much money would we make or lose so i have that those numbers as well. But I want to caveat for the viewers that the numbers aren't going to look as good as we deserve because, obviously, in reality, if you were betting, you're not going to place a money line bet on every team you think is going to win, regardless of if you think the money line is fair, which is basically what we would be doing in this scenario. So, quickly, week two or uh, week two of doing this, which was week four, um, Cy came out on top. So, I actually had a great week with 10 out of 15, which is really solid. Um, uh, Marty and I came up with nine, Zach, you came up with eight. So, um, Cy, that, that 10 out of 15 is quite good. And then the others are are fairly average. And then if we look at the money line calculation here, which gives some weight to actually picking upsets, Cy, you almost broke even, which is quite good. You were winning for a while. And if you you got robbed on the new England one, otherwise you would have been positive. Um, and then all of us were kind of even losing, um, like 60 percent of our purse which again seems like a lot but in reality we wouldn't bet like this so um yeah 60 percent losses across the board marty only lost about 50 percent because i think he pitched a bunch of upsets but yeah there we go Cy so I, so I was a big winner last week
0: thank you thank you I, I admittedly i went pretty bold and even after the fact i was like that was pretty bold on my part to pick some <laughs> i guess it worked out so zach let's tee it up for this week man let's roll Sounds good
1: all right, cool. So moving on from uh, some from week four here to week five projections, we're gonna kick it off with the Thursday game. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, fresh off their win against the Chargers comeback win, playing at Chicago against the Bears. Both teams are three and one, and the spread leans Tampa Bay's way, four point
0: five. Side what you got? I got the Bears by field goal. Yeah,
2: this is a brutal pick. Brutal, brutal, brutal. I don't think either of these teams are four and one teams, but I'll pick uh, the Bucks.
1: I'm gonna go Bucks too, and I actually think they cover that spread. So interesting stuff here. Uh, Cy and all, uh, and we're all already disagreeing on picks, and it's the first one. Moving on to the second pick here, the Carolina Panthers play against their arch nemesis, the Atlanta Falcons, in Atlanta. Um, despite the fact that, uh, despite the fact that Atlanta is zero four, they are projected to win by two point five. So I kicking it over to you again.
0: I'm picking Carolina because Julio Jones is going to be out for that game most likely by a field
2: goal. Yeah. Carolina, but closer to like seven or 10 points.
1: I'm going to go Atlanta. I think we get our first win, even though (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily complain if we don't get this win, because it actually means Quinn will go. That's so I,
2: or not not to delude the lightning nature of this <laughs> segment, but when are you gonna finally stop picking the Falcons, Zach? <laughs> is what I want to know.
0: Hopefully at some point they actually reward him and they'll go Yeah. The team. So anyway, let's keep going.
1: We're gonna because this is a size Colts, I'm curious to see his his opinion, but I want it last. I'm gonna take a crack at this one first. This one is tough. Both teams are three and one. They're playing up in Cleveland, but Indy is favored by 1.5. It's a very difficult decision for me. I'm going to go Indianapolis in a very close one. I think it's going to be a, um, a final field goal that pushes them uh, to win this game.
2: Yeah, I think this is one of a bunch of super interesting games. Um, I mean, obviously, like, Bills-Titans, Bucks-Fairs, all big games. This is another really interesting one. I was hyping up Indy, of course, so I'm going to pick them here. Um, I think the Browns train slows down a little bit. Yeah, so I mean I think the
0: Browns was, the Browns are still like very formidable. I think losing Nick Chubb is gonna be a uh, is gonna be a tough one for them in this game. Although, you know, I trust Kareem Hunt and they, they got another guy in Johnson that's pretty good. I think, you know, we are running into the the Browns at one of the hardest times that we could run into the Browns, but I also think the way our defense is playing, if we if we are able to get Leonard back on the field, I really think we can take this game. Um, but I think it's gonna be super close, like Zach said, because This isn't going to be some easy win, nor are we a team that likes to blow people out. We're a team that always keeps it close, and that's our model. So I think I'm going to take my Colts by three and hope that comes to fruition.
1: Cool. Uh, Next game here NFC East. The winless Giants play in Dallas against the Cowboys. Um, Right now, the spread is 9.5 Dallas's way. Kicking over to E. E., what do you got in this game?
2: Yeah, Cowboys, whatever. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Who cares? Cowboys. Honestly, I was the same way. Cowboys, but I don't like that game. Um, Final 425 game is the Denver Broncos playing at the Patriots. I can kick this one off first. I think the Patriots rebound, whether it's Cam, whether it's Hoyer, whether it's Stidham. I think they still are good enough to beat the Broncos. I got Patriots covering the uh, spread. There's no spread because of um, COVID and everything.
2: Yeah, Patriots here against uh Mark Rippon's nephew, not his son, correcting myself from last week. But uh that. Patriots.
0: Yeah, I got I got the pads. I think I think, uh, I think bounce back.
1: Sounds good. All right, capping it over to the Sunday night game uh between the Minnesota Vikings fresh off their first win playing at Seattle, 4-0 Seattle. Uh right now the spread is 7 side kicking us off
0: here. Who do you got in uh, in that matchup? I- I think this is going to be a lot closer than people are going to give it credit for. Because Minnesota's offense is firing. Dalvin Cook is running like the beast that he is. Justin Jefferson is the truth right across from Thielen. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be better than Stephon Diggs. That's the way I see it. I think Minnesota gets really, really close. I really want to pick him, but I'm going to take Seahawks by a field goal because Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind. But I really think this is going to be a close game.
2: I'm going to trust size intuition here because I was on the fence as well. And the fact that he was leaning that well makes me a little more confident, which is why I like picking second. I'm going to pick the Vikings. I think they're starting to figure it out. And it's with a lot of these, it's just like, do I see, I mean, Seattle's great, but it's like a lot of these teams. Do I really see like, how long do I see them being undefeated for, you know what I mean? They got to lose sometime. So why not? Why not here?
1: Yeah, I actually think Minnesota wins this game. This is a game I'm potentially going to bet on, um, you know, just from a spread standpoint, because even if Seattle wins, I don't think they win by seven or more. So I got Minnesota in this matchup, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But kicking it over to our final game, Monday night, the Los Angeles Chargers are playing at New Orleans in the Superdome. Uh, The spread is 7.5 New Orleans way. Uh, The Chargers are 1-3. and The Saints are... Two and two, Ev. Final matchup. What do you got?
2: Uh, screw it, Herbert. Big game from Herbert. I'm thinking. <laughs> you got
1: it, Zach. I got the Saints, man. I can't do two absurd uh, upsets in a row.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna,
0: you know. Now that this is the last pick, I'm gonna make a point of emphasizing this again. I think people were out on the Saints way too quickly this season with MT out. You know, with with these guys rounding into shape, I think they fixed some mistakes. They started off a little slow against the Lions, but they showed you what that offense could still do. Defense stepped up big time after that. I think the Saints are right back on track to working their way into being the best, one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the best team in the NFC again. And I think they'll most likely get MT back, especially given the fact that it's a Monday night game. So I think the Saints win, and I think they win big. Like, I love Herbert, and I don't want to pick against him he's playing amazing, but I think the Saints win big this game. That's where I see it.
2: Losing Eckler is tough for that run game. because It's like him and Kelly are such a perfect combo, I think, like like how Eckler was off Melvin Gordon. Like um fast turf though. I, I think well, maybe this is biased because I think I'm gonna play Herbert in some fantasy leagues this week. But
0: <laughs> also Marcon Lattimore against Keenan Allen Zach. I know you're gonna love that matchup. You're, you're all about those. So That's
2: matchup.
1: Keenan's arguably one of the best route runners in the league. But to put the size point, the reason why they have cleaned up those mistakes is Sean. I know you're an Av- or Sean Payton avid listener of mbs i'm sure um shout out chumpy stopped giving the ball to Taysom hill every five plays just (laughs) keep drew in don't try to get too fancy and good things will happen to you so i'm very appreciative that he's been listening to us on mbs but uh but outside of that guys i think we're pretty much good excited to watch this uh game four game here between the heat and the lakers
0: you guys have any final things to say before we go ahead and sign off no sir i'm excited about this game we'll be back shortly uh Good luck to you. Also, we got to give credit where credit is due. Zach pulled mm-hmm. out the in our fantasy football matchup this week with his uh, Todd Gurley play on Monday night. Did not expect him to put up 18 points. Congratulations, Zach! One heck of a win. One heck of a matchup. That was about. That was blast. Four and zero to three and one. Love it.
2: Yeah, good win, Zach. That one stings. That one stings, but uh, tip the cap. We're cap.
1: still the top two teams in that division. We're, we're running house right now. So knock on wood, it, it maintains. But Jeez. thanks again, guys. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, do it. Um, just click that thanks. button on YouTube. We post, you know, we, we love, uh, you know, if you have a question for us, or if you want to be on the show, just let us know. We'd love to have you as a guest. And uh, also share this with your friends too. We're trying to uh, get a little bit bigger here. We have so much fun doing it. So Go ahead, click that like button, send that, uh, click that subscribe button, and send this to a friend. We would appreciate it.
0: This was Monday's Down South. Have a great
2: one.